Welcome back to another episode of Season 5 of the RAG Podcast. As you guys know by now, this is the number one podcast across the recruitment sector globally. And we've always been on a mission to help recruitment agencies grow by interviewing founders and telling their stories of success from startup all the way to scale up and exit. Well, this season, we're a little bit different. How do you, as a recruitment leader and founder, maintain your family and friendships whilst being the best person at work? How do you stay physically fit mentally and emotionally? And how do you find time for yourself in the madness? How do you find time for self-interest, for hobbies and self-improvement? Well, to help you with this, I'm going to be interviewing someone every single week that can demonstrate experience in one or more of these areas. So I'm going to talk to recruitment founders and also some experts from outside the industry who can deep dive into things like relationships and health and well-being. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. Today I am buzzing to be joined by an old guest. Called Kyle Winterbottom, who I interviewed in November 2020 after he'd started his business, Orbition Group, in the September of that year. So he started in the middle of the pandemic from his back bedroom of his mother in law's house in Manchester. And um, Kyle was on my Hoxo Academy at the same time. So he invested in, he was already building a brand, but he invested in training with me to solidify that, that process. And then he just it just seemed to take off for him. And then we interviewed him in November. We had a really good chat about his vision and what he wanted to achieve. And um, today we spoke about what, what specifically has happened since. Now, Kyle's brand has gone nuts. You know, every single deal they've done, he's made over seven figures in the time that since we spoke, every single deal, every penny the business has made has come via their marketing efforts, via his personal brand, via the company work. So they host events. He's got a podcast. He produces daily content. He speaks on panels. He's even been asked to read books and write reviews um, and recently was featured in the top 100 most influential voices in data globally. He was in, uh, I mean, he's at the bottom of the list and he says it's because his name is Winterbottom, but either way, uh, alphabetical order. Yeah, sure. Uh, but Kyle is a is a de definitely a down-to-earth guy. He's now got 10 staff. The business is going really well. Um, what I love about this episode is he's, he's open. He's not just saying, all's amazing, check me out, but he's vulnerable and talking about the challenges of being a, you know, a, a small business owner, um, what, what, what's gone so well, but also what's not working and, and everything in between. So for anyone thinking about building a brand and why would you as the founder or the owner or the leader of the business bother investing, then you need to listen to this episode. This is, a, this is one of the most forward-thinking recruitment owners on the planet right now. Anyone who's thinking of building a company in the future, he's also going to give you the Watson all version of what it's like. So let's get into it. Without further ado, Kyle, welcome back to the RAG podcast. Thank you very much for having me back, mate. It's a pleasure. That's all right. It's all right. Technical issues first. We've said all this before, <laughs> so hopefully we can try and sound uh, as authentic as we want. Um, but, mate, it is always good to have people back. Um, and you know, I feel like I see, I feel like I know what you're up to anyway, because I see you on LinkedIn as often as probably everyone sees me, which is rare. But, um, for anyone who doesn't know you, do us a favor and let us know what, what, what you do and who is Orbition right now. Yeah, cool. So I think obviously first time I was on the podcast, mate, I was kind of three months into the yeah. journey, right? So we started September, 2020, 
Um, my background, I've been in kind of recruitment 11 years now at this point. Um, and yeah, Orbition is a, I guess we classify ourselves as a talent solutions business. So everything that we do is completely retained or engaged in some way, shape or form, um, exclusively working into the data analytics markets. So we work across the UK into mainland Europe and, and now quite a bit into the US as well. Um, mm -hmm. But as, as I said, the bulk of what we do is kind of more solution orientated. So building teams for people. So whether that's four or five people immediately or whether it's 30, 40, 50 people over a 12, 18 month time frame, And then I guess individual kind of really senior leadership hires. And it's you've grown the team to 10 people, you said as well. Yeah, 10, 10 people now. Yeah, moved into a fancy office in the middle of uh, middle of Manchester. Yeah, so I was I got sick of negotiating with serviced office space about how many desks I need or didn't need. So yeah, we took the plunge and probably unlike most businesses, we went the other way into a leased space. So that was wow. uh, good. Yep. Well, let's get it. I want to talk about all that. But if we go back then, so if you remember when we spoke was November 2020, I just moved into Manchester. The world went into lockdown because I paid for this stupid flat with all these facilities that got shut. I remember it. And then we were pretty much in and out, but pretty much locked down till April. So yeah. you had this period where you were in lockdown when you started it. You came out, you went back in. It was very like, life was very up and down, but it's winter. The weather's crap. Um, tell us about your experience. Like, how did that, did that help? How did that shape the early days of the business, do you think? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it helped, mate, to be honest. I, I don't think I knew any different at that point. Mm -hmm. um, I think obviously, you know, it was the middle of the pandemic when I started the business. I think if... Um, you know, we remember from our first conversation at that time, I was kind of saying I was what was really important to me was to make sure that I kind of went into 2021 having that brand built because I think we spoke about, you know, why now? Why the middle of a pandemic? Um, so, yeah, we went back into into lockdown, didn't we, in, in the January until kind of April time, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, well, so, yeah. yeah, something like that. Um uh, so to be honest, mate, I just kind of cracked on as as I had been. You know, I was I was on my own. I was sat in my mother in law's back bedroom, hiding away from from the kids. Um, you know, just kind of getting money into the business. Um, and then I guess when things opened again in April, we we moved into a serviced office space in Manchester, and that's when we started hiring our our first people, basically. And what what's it really like? Like you're in a back bedroom, your mother in law's like. Because even yesterday, I had a message off someone on LinkedIn saying, Sean, just want to say thanks. I'm starting my agency. Without without this show, I don't think I'd have been able to, you know, have the confidence to take the plunge. Um, obviously, this show is not just about telling people to do it, but it is about giving people the honest reality of what, what was it really like going from working with people to being in a back bedroom with family? You've got children, you've got a wife to provide for. Like, how did that? how did that feel and what was it really like for you? Um, to be honest with you, if I, if I look back now, it was <laughs> probably a lot less stressful than, than, <laughs> than, yeah. than, it, than it is now. Um, but in, 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 obviously, you know, very different, right. You know, I'd, the, the, the in-laws literally live, you know, half a mile down the road. So I'd mm. get up and spend time with the kids. I'd walk around to their house. You know, I had the, the mother-in-law bringing me coffees every hour on the dot, you know, and all that type of good stuff, bringing me lunch and stuff. So um, as I said, I, I kind of didn't know any different. And I was, we was probably in a good position financially. I'd saved enough money to live as we were living for a year. Right. So I guess at that point, you know, there wasn't a serious pressure to be like, you know, shit, I need money 
in the business ASAP or we can't eat. So it, it, it was probably, you know, a lot less stressful than some people have it starting. How did you go about it? Though? How did you go about actually getting it off the ground? Obviously, we spoke a lot about your personal brand and I want to talk about how that's evolved because it's become pretty impressive. But in even in the early days, how, how did you go about winning clients and, and delivering for people? What was your strategy? So I think obviously at that point in time when I started the business, I'd you know I'd already been doing a lot of the LinkedIn stuff for a while. Um, yeah. Very unstructured. I didn't really know how or why things worked or why things didn't, but I'd kind of built up a good reputation for myself with that. Um, you know, and we have a and still to this day have very a, a kind of marketing driven, relationship driven, content driven approach to to what we do. So that was the kind of strategy that i had really you know it was going out we, we were still hosting events so i'd been doing this since 2018 so that was still very much going to be part of the business plan obviously we're in lockdown so there were no events happening um and then i i started the podcast probably you know literally a matter of weeks before we first spoke now um, i always caveat that with that was my second, this is the second podcast I've ever done, right? So I'd had a trial run at it first. So it's not been like a gleaming success first time, uh, first time around, but that podcast has become massive in its own right, really, mate. But that that was the kind of vehicle that I used just to start building relationships with people that I didn't really know. Um, and, you know, we were bringing roles in, obviously, at that point in time, it was just me. So the, the volume was less, but the fees have always been high, you know, and then I was delivering myself. And We're talking like 20 grand fees type thing. Yeah. So our average fee in the UK is kind of 21 grand. That's wow. started to dilute over the last few months, but that's because we're picking up bigger pieces of yeah. work. So, you know, we're, we're in tenders at the minute for like three almost like mini RPO type of agreements just for data analytics roles where it's kind of 30 plus hires over the next 12 months. And naturally, you know, the, the, the yeah, whole yeah, premise yeah. of doing that is you help the client to reduce the cost and you kind of move the conversation away from X percent of X salary type of thing. But yeah, yeah you know, it's still probably 16 to 18 K average fee, I'd say in the UK probably. So in those early days, what were you doing like a deal a month or a couple of months? How was it going? Yeah, so I think obviously I started middle of September. I think I put money on the board. December was the first month. And then since then, you know, we've not not put any money on the board since then. And obviously, you know, it's gone it's gone really well, mate. We've we've kind of grown and evolved. We've brought some senior people into the business, which if I'm being honest, has has kind of really helped to give us some structure, you know. So it was kind of very um don't know the word to describe it really, but you know, we were kind of like trying to, you know, the old analogy, build, build the plane while we're flying it. And yeah, we yeah. got to a point where then it was, you know, kind of became obvious to me that it was impossible for me to do everything. Like, cause we, we, we do a lot, even for a small business. Now we do a lot outside of the day job. Cool. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, so we brought... take us back then. So you're in the bedroom. <laughs> what was, what was the, what's the symptom like so you're earning good are you doing decent like 20 40 60 grand months even in that back bedroom then is that what started to happen yeah yeah so we, we got up so, you know so december was the first month and uh the, as i said we put money on the board it was you know 20 grand fees yeah um at that time pretty much and yeah we were doing Did you ever think yeah. that could be it like just keep doing that like just stay really relaxed and just bang out Mate, that, that's that, that's ne that's never me i'm sure we'll get onto this in a minute but like yeah. the money that i earn right now and this is something that people probably need to consider when they set up is it's probably the the, the last two years for me have been the least money i've ever earned in recruitment outside yeah. of the first time that I started yeah but that's because everything is 
being ploughed back into it, right? Yeah. So it, it was never a consideration for me to be sat in the mother-in-law's back bedroom for the next 10 years because no. I just kind of thought, well, there's no there's no scalability to that, right? There's no, there's no what happens then. I'm still going to be sat in the same place in the same seat, <laughs> you know, doing the same thing 10 years down the line. And that, that wasn't the driving force for me starting the business. So. Yeah. So what was the symptom to get out? What was the, what were the few things that were you were feeling or experiencing when you were like, right, now's the time to go and sort it out? <laughs> um, probably, mate, just the lockdown had, had finished, to be honest right. with you. Like, you know, it was kind of a case of, I, I was thinking this is going to be, you know, my first hire into the business. Do I want to have him to be do that kind of fully remotely? And I wasn't opposed to it, but I kind of just felt there's, you know, I knew that the lockdown was going to end at some point, right? So it kind of just made sense to wait for mm -hmm. that, make sure yeah. we had decent money in, in the business and, and then, you know, go and get an office because I think that there's also an element of, you know, it needs to, there needs to be something there, right? You know, there needs to be something almost to sell. And at that point in time, it was kind of me in a back bedroom with an idea. Um, mm. And don't get me wrong, that wasn't too much different with the first two couple of people that we brought into the business. But um, at least, you know, we'd gone and got an office. It was a pretty nice serviced office space in in Manchester. So, you know, we we had an address and we had, you know, all, yeah, all yeah, little yeah. things that, you know, recruiters would probably want to see, even if they are joining a startup. And what did you go for? Was it experienced? Inexper what was your initial plan? Yeah, so we, we brought in experienced people. It's been it's been predominantly experienced people at this point. Uh, up until this point, obviously, we've had a um, a few people that we've brought in on like internships. So from I've got some relationships with uh, Manchester Met Uni that I do for like some public speaking engagement there with them. So we've had some relationships. We brought some people in from there um, on like an internship who we've then kind of kept on, which has been a, a pretty cool success story. But yeah, I think long term, obviously, we're, we're you know, we've built out our own training platform and all this type of stuff internally so that we can start to turn the dial on bringing in inexperienced hires. What was um, your initial pitch to these people? And so the first hire, you've just got a service office, you just come out the bedroom, you, you know, why join if they're experienced, why join you? What was the what's that? Because I think that goes through a lot of new founders heads is like, Will anyone want to work for me? Like, <laughs> why would anyone join this? What was your pitch? You know what? I, I, I can't even remember. I don't think, you know what? I don't think the pitch has changed all that much. Like, I think, you know, I had this, I had, I had some grand ideas and this vision of kind of what I was trying to achieve. And I think, you know, when you've got nothing to sell, you've got to sell what the future looks like. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, that, and that's kind of what it was. You know, I think I was just very clear on here's what I'm trying to get to, here's what I want to. Here's what I want to do. Here's the way I want to build it. And these are the type of people that I need to help Tell us me what, do that. Give us a bit more of the actual pit. I want to know what was it, what was what you were trying to do? Like that's something that people want to know. What how did you how would you describe it? What you're trying to do, what the vision is. Yeah. So I think the the, the thing for me is that I'm a firm believer that the recruitment industry has changed. And again, you know, without stomping on old ground from the, the first um session that, that we had. You know, I think recruitment has changed a lot. So I was kind of, I kind of started, what I didn't realize at the time was I'd been doing a lot of, you know, we talk now, you hear all these buzzwords right about talent solutions and, you know, we branded our business up as that. But ultimately I was doing that back in 2018, 19. I just never marketed it and I didn't know it had a name, right? So I'd kind of almost knew that it worked and I kind of felt that that's the way recruitment's going. So, you know, I was very clear of, look, we're not going to be a contingent 15% working you know um on 
multiple jobs against multiple other recruitment agencies and throwing enough shit against the wall and it sticking. Like I knew I was going to try to create a, a premium brand where we'd work on a retained basis. We'd become much more of a partner to our clients and we tried to get more involved strategically. So it moved away from just putting bums on seats, but it became how do you deliver solutions to actual business problems by putting the right people in the right seats at the right time for the client and how do you create a commercial model around that which incentivizes the client to kind of come on that journey with you almost if that makes sense and i think that was the that was one of the the key things really you know is we're not an experienced recruiter who's been in a classic contingent agency what how did how did they react to those visions well, I think to be honest, mate, and and still some of some of this we kind of struggle with a little bit now is that it sounds great, right? It's every it's every recruiter's dream to say what? Okay, so you know, like we we built out a delivery team, for example. So you know, our sell to bringing in people that just focus on kind of managing our clients and filling the jobs for them. You know, why wouldn't it sound? fantastic you know you kind of say look you've got all this retained work you're working with fewer clients but the relationship is much deeper and you're not just working on one role it's sometimes up to 20 30 over a period of time other times it's building a team of six right now it's retained it's guaranteed revenue it's guaranteed commission for you etc etc why why wouldn't that sound great so i don't think we have we've ever had a problem with people being interested or excited about that um i think some of the challenges come around that it's just a very different way of working and one that people haven't been used to. No. Um, and, you know, for as much as everyone, and we're, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm brutally honest when, when I speak to people about joining our business, I'll give it, you know, warts and all. I'm probably too honest sometimes actually, to be honest with you, but I'd rather be that way. But ultimately every time I say to people, you know, like, look, this is harder than I'm making out because we're a new business. You know, a lot of the brand stuff is still very much on me, you know? So one of the things that I've been tackling with over the last two years is how do I move some of my brand reputation onto the business to allow other people within the business to kind of benefit from that more. Um, So, and when you're a startup business, you know, you've got a CRM that's got a handful of people in it, you know, you're not established, you don't have a massive client list. So whilst, the benefit of the way you work in this type of environment is that, yeah, your relationships are deeper, it's retained, it's guaranteed revenue, it's X, Y, and Z. Uh, the flip side of that coin is, you know, going out trying to find candidates who've never heard of you, never heard of Orbition, you know, you're just another recruiter, there's no database to leverage, etc. Um, I think that's a lot more difficult than people actually think. Hmm. And did you find that, you was there some challenges with that early on, like actually being able to satisfy the requirements that you'd perhaps committed to um so, so we've touched wood we've never been in a position where so like for example we're, we're really um and i don't know how different this is to be honest with you right because you only kind of you you know what you know right but um we're, we're really kind of i don't want to say aggressive because that's not the right word but we, we'd kind of say to clients look here's how we work here's why we work that way here's the benefits to you and if we don't fill these roles i'm happy to give you money back like yeah. I've always been a big believer, put your money where your mouth is, especially when you're first starting out and when clients don't know you. And I think that's taken us a long way. Touch wood, we've never had to pay money back to now. So we've filled everything that's come in, but it's not been without its challenges. There's certainly at the start been things that, you know, we could have and should have filled quicker. And there's just, you know, a lot of teething problems. And, and I think it's just little things, mate, really, that a lot of people don't kind of, 
kind of think about, you know, like I've been in this market now quite a long time and I know it inside out. So little things for me that I would do or say or think or just look at something and subconsciously I'd just go, right, yeah, that's perfect for these reasons, bang. And it's really hard for me to teach someone else that just because it, all it is is experience, right? So when they don't have it, they they spend time probably looking at things and doing things that aren't necessarily kind of conducive to success at that point but without me sat there on top of them saying right well this is good for this reason or this is bad for this reason and every single thing they do day in day out i think that was a, a big challenge so we, one of the one of the challenges with that specifically when you've got a brand that's well known is like it's not just not filling that role or whatever it's almost like people expect this from me now like i've got this name and when i'm giving you the the work that i've been given based on my work I'm now my this whole you're basically uh, you're holding my reputation or our reputation to to ransom with, with what you can do. And what did you struggle with that? Because I know I've struggled with that loads in the past. Like it's probably the, the hardest thing for me personally, because again, I'm the face of a lot of things, don't actually deliver on a lot of things. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's fucking hard work, I think, being able to let go and, and it, let people make mistakes. Yeah, so I think um I've definitely felt that in terms of the reputation right i've definitely felt that because you know when 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 the shit hits the fan you know they don't go to the people delivering they come to me saying like kind yeah. of what you know what the fuck like what's yeah. you know um and you know as i said touchwood luckily we've never had a situation that's been that bad that you know it's it's caused problems um but on the flip side of that i wouldn't say like the the delivery side for me has never been i wouldn't say it's I'm good at it because I know the market, but it's not a strength. No, that that'd be the way I kind of position it, and um, you know, so that's why we built our delivery team. We've had some, we brought some, you know, a few people in, but one p- person in particular to kind of really own that for us. So you know, I'm I'm typically the face of the business. I go out and win all the work, and then you know, bring it back in, and it kind of gets gets delivered. Um, and you enjoy but, that part of the job. Yeah, that I mean, that that's my strength, mate. So that's me playing to my strengths all day long obviously the more the business grows as, as you'll know yourself right you end up then getting dragged pillar to post a little bit and and that was even more evident when we, we had less people but i was still having to try and fill a lot of work myself as well yeah. you know so it became just really really spread and so how is it set up right now then how many people are doing are you still the main bd guy or do you have someone else are you building a team around you on that side as well yeah, so we've we've set it up basically to have you know a, a almost a true one hundred and eighty model. That's the kind of longer term vision. Um, so we've got a kind of a delivery team now that's kind of six seven people, um, and then there's myself that you know goes out and wins the bulk of the work, and then there's one other that's basically doing the same thing but in the US. Um, but we're you know we're growing rapidly. I think as the market not being as mental as it uh, as it has been from a recruitment standpoint you know we could probably be 20 people by now to be honest with you it's just um yeah and that's probably the other side of it right you know part of my job really needs to be more focused on building the business internally um we've done a lot around process and structure and i think we're really in a really good place with that now um but you know i'd say probably 50 percent of my time probably should be trying to find people to work for us um and that's not always the case, right? So um, yeah, we're still very much out there, still doing running the events, running the podcasts. We've done a few more um, kind of newer, fresher initiatives off the back of that community piece, um, which 
I listened back to our first podcast uh, as, as per your instruction. And I think at that point we were talking about how do you stay ahead of the curve? Because eventually everyone will catch up with you. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I've always been very conscious of. So I think we've done some pretty cool work in that space to try and, you know, keep ahead on, on that front. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, the being the face, winning the work, that's, that's my bag basically. And then everything else, you know, from an ops perspective and then from a delivery perspective is, is managed by other people now. And do you think that is, Again, is that is that long term? You're going to need to develop those skills for other people as well. So you, I don't think you'd ever want to switch your brand off. But if you can get to the point where you're not needed to win the work, or less and less needed, you can pick the bigger stuff. That's got to be the dry dream, right? Because if not, you you will become the bottleneck. Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. And that's you know we we've had situations in the business now where it's been. Um, peaks and troughs so we've been very fortunate we've never we've never been in a position where we don't have enough work to to kind of feed the delivery team in fact for most parts it's been it's been quite the opposite you know it's been pretty stressful for them I'm sure but um you know you do get peaks and troughs and the I guess where where I've been is that sometimes I've kind of felt I need to lay off the gas a little bit here you know we get like emails come in saying we'd love your help with this can you help us and we're like yes we have the conversation i'm trying to bat it off for a couple of weeks just to give us some breathing space to deliver on some roles right so it's been to that extreme um do you think what do you put that down to is it is it the market being so buoyant is it your brand is it both is it something else I think it's a bit of everything, mate, to be honest with you. Um, the, the market has been buoyant. You know, there, there isn't a client that we're working with slash speaking with that's just trying to hire one person. And, and no. that's why, you know, we've kind of flipped our model. So you won't ever find us, apart from a, a senior leadership search, you know, a director level role, for example. Outside of that, we're not working with any clients where it's just, can you find us a data engineer? You know, it's, we needed to build a team. We need three data engineers, two data scientists, a data analyst, and we'd kind of package package that up. So I think the market is obviously super buoyant. Um, it's obviously not going to last forever. Um, but I think, you know, we're, to be honest with you, we we win. We probably punch well above our weight in terms of the stuff we win. And, and, and I personally think that's down to kind of the brand that I've managed to create. Like we've had some massive, massive wins, mate, with that stuff, like thinking about it, actually. And I'm... I'm one of these people where I will always fixate over the challenges more so than I celebrate the wins. Yeah, that's, just the, that's just the way, in, like, way I am inclined. But when I've had chance, chance to reflect and look back, for example, you know, we had a, a big insurance client come to us and say, I see you, the, the hiring manager, I see your stuff on LinkedIn all the time. You talk a load of sense. We think about things the same way. Um, we should work together. That turned into an 150 grand retainer to fill five roles, right? I checked. I'm not even connected to the guy on LinkedIn. It's madness. He's following, right? he's following you then, isn't he? Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. It's like I've, been, I've seen people comment on your posts and stuff. So we've had some massive, massive wins with, with that stuff. And, 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 you know, but we're not, and, and I, this is what I keep saying to the team all the time. Like, we're not even scratching the surface, really. Like, if I'm being honest, I'm not out there, like, peddling this business that hard from a BD yeah. perspective. So, you know, we're looking at the minute to bring in a few more people that want to focus on the BD side because, again, like my time gets dragged pillar to post quite a bit. Um, and even relationships that I've got, like, am I maximizing them? Probably not, right? Mm. You know, and that's what I mean. Like, there's, there's so much opportunity for us. That's the thing that. What else has happened? Though? I mean, I'm I'm obviously fascinated by this. We worked together when we worked together. You already had a good foothold. Hopefully, you know, I helped shape that, and then you've taken it and ran 
like you're one of the biggest case studies and success stories I can I can lean on. But give us some more examples of things that have been impacted by it. Because genuinely, some people don't believe this shit. Like I get people who say to me, How does having more likes and engagement lead to fucking money? Like, tell me. And I'm like, there's a couple of ways. I'll explain my side in a minute, but tell us how it's happened. I was genuinely building this brand that some people think is just a vanity project actually translated into revenue. Well, so we, we did an exercise internally where we traced everything back to the, to the source of where that revenues come from. Right. And what that showed us that hundred percent of the revenue that we've made as a business since I started has come from something that we do with related to marketing our content. Yeah. Now that's not to say that hundred percent of it has come directly from people coming inbound to us. No, but, but, but the way it normally works is even if we're the instigator of that relationship, whether it be through events or through podcasts, three months, six months down the line, they'll come back to us. So we're not the ones knocking on the door saying, can we have your work? They'll come back to us, you know, so that's been, that's been over seven figures, right? So wow. far. Um, and then other thing, and I think the, the 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 kind of things that fuel all that then, so what's what's worked or, you know, stuff that I've managed to leverage off the back of that has been, you know, God, I've probably been invited on eight to 10 kind of industry webinars or podcasts or LinkedIn lives to talk about stuff. And it's not, it's not, it's not even talent stuff. It's just stuff yeah. about the market. Um wasn't there like a book something with a book as well <laughs> well I, I don't know why mate I don't I can't even read but um no I get I get um I get quite a lot of people saying to me um you know I'm, I'm just about to release a book do you mind reviewing it for me and leaving something on LinkedIn so I get that I get that quite a lot um you know I'm, I've been invited for example to speak at the uh, as a panel part of a panel discussion later this year at the uh, Dharma International uh, event which is the data and marketing association which wow. i'm just like I, I don't really know why people are asking me but obviously they think there's some value in it from them there um you know i've been i've been offered by people saying can you you know we'll pay you to write content for us um there's a, a big global one of the biggest banks in the world their md for data reached out to me and said i'll absolutely love your stuff would you come to uh would you come to asia and speak to our data analytics team i'd do a talk <laughs> and how much would it cost and i was just like wow. this is this did is you no or did you do it no so the, they're still going back and forth on this yeah. now because i was like so i reached out to someone in the industry saying well how, how much should i say i charge for this stuff because i didn't obviously <laughs> i didn't want to know like i didn't have a fucking clue what i was talking about so um you know and then i'm, I'm doing some i've been asked to be a judge at a data leadership award ceremony that's happening middle of this year right. august i think uh, and then obviously the big the biggest thing by by a mile mate has been the the data iq 100 which is you know an industry um kind of a group a collective of people where they put the 100 most influential people in data um into a list and you know they, they make a big song and dance out of it and, and i've been the i think only recruiter ever that goes in that list it's normally what, you know no, did you get what number are you Oh, they don't rank it. So, oh, right. um, and the unfortunate thing is, mate, the way it goes on the website is it's alphabetical. So they do the top ten ranked, and then it's alphabetical. So I was You're basically second to last. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, you made a hundred though. It doesn't matter if you are last. A hundred yeah. in the world of data is pretty impressive. I'm interrupting this episode to bring a message from one of our sponsors, Vincere, who. Um, 
they're quite similar to Hoxo, I believe. What I love about Vincere is I think we've got very similar visions on the way we do things. And, you know, we do a lot of sharing about customer stories and successes. And I think they've they've tried to really share why you should pick them as a business through their customers rather than just talking for the sake of talking. So what I've been checking out recently, if you go on their YouTube channel, type V-I-N-C-E-R-E on YouTube and have a look at what they've been doing, you'll notice that they've been sharing stories from their community on a weekly basis. And it, what's amazing about this is that the customers have been raving about things like ease, ease of use, configurability, because look, we're not techies in recruitment for fuck's sake. There's a reason we are in recruitment. It's because we're probably not the most technical-minded in many senses. But Vincere's tool actually is, you know, it's configurable for most people. Um, and they've got all these features now from you know, video interviewing, all these different areas that they're trying to bring in so that you don't really need to invest in other tech platforms. You can have a one-stop shop solution that will give you everything. Um, but don't just take Vincere's word for it. Watch their YouTube channel, find out what their customers think. I've found it really interesting and uh, it's been awesome. So check out Vincere on YouTube um, and everything's on there. And again, people are like, well, so how does that make money? It's like, to my, my whole thing is, it's like, and, and I know you follow the same methodology because we work together, but it's like taking what you say on the phone in meetings and just putting it online. Like you're not, I watch your stuff all the time. You're not like revolutionary, like coming up with mad out concepts. You're just sharing what you probably said on the phone that day or in that meeting to the masses. And people yeah. are like, he's got a fucking point. And two things happen. People either make a decision that point at that point to engage with the post, which flags them up. So you can see, right, well, that CDO from that company, I don't even know, is just like my shit. You've got a choice to then engage back or message him or just connect or whatever and start a relationship. If which you're probably not even doing as much anymore because you're that busy. But what re, what what happens to me a lot is that starts their engagement with me. They because they liked my shit, they see more of my shit because that's how LinkedIn works. And it will just be a matter of time, you know, when they either attend one of our taster sessions, they listen to the podcast, they they do, they download something, and then they're in the ecosystem. And yeah, we might reach out or they might just send a DM. But it's exactly the same process, just on a different in a different market. The funny thing is, I get a lot of people say to me, Sean, it's fine for you because you're in a, all your clients are recruiters, so they're all on LinkedIn all day. So I'm going to ask you then, your market are insular, introverted, data geeks, and I'd say in the masses. <laughs> you probably get a lot that are and that are more communicative and they on they go up the ladder. But some of these people are not like natural communicators like recruiters, right? They're not necessarily on LinkedIn as much. What do you say to people who believe that that isn't possible then in a market that isn't recruitment? I'd say, mate, in, in any, t I think... And, and obviously I can't be sure of this because I, I don't, you know, I've only ever worked in kind of a couple of markets really, but I think anything that's a technical market, people are on LinkedIn. And yeah. and the thing like, you know, of course you're not going to get your entire market on there. You're not going to get, you know, hundred percent of your target audience is going to be sat on LinkedIn all the time, but you don't, you don't need that. Right. You know, like we're, no. we're still a small business. We're two year old. I had a tally up before, you know, we've worked with 32 clients in two years. Um, that I don't I don't think that's a lot right but it's, it's yeah. more than enough <laughs> it's more yeah. than enough um and I think you know going back to your point earlier I think and I think we may have even touched upon this in the in the first episode but 
the reason that most people or recruitment businesses stop doing this is because they don't see like a an immediate ROI in their eyes. You know, it's like gratification. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And and so a lot of this stuff is, you know, it's it's your age or marketing stuff, right? About like nurturing relationships. You know, like I, mate, honestly, the amount of people that reach out to me and then we'd have a conversation and it's been like you know we'll have be sat on a teams call and they'll, they'll the, the screen will pop up and they'll say something like oh it's like being on your podcast and i've never spoken to this person in my no. life no idea never engage with them like they've never i've never seen them like comment or anything but they see my stuff all the time and it, they kind of and i don't know you've mentioned this before but they kind of feel like they know you yeah. and as soon as you know as soon and this is what i say to the team all the time like you get to that point where you know you take advantage of that in a nice way like that's where the leverage is like the yeah. fact that 100% of our business so far has come back to us just puts you in a position of power yeah you know because look not every client that we speak to wants to work the way we want to operate but if yeah. they don't that's fine they're probably not the right client for us right but the yeah. ones that do that, you know, it's it's really simple for us because we say, look, here's how we operate, here's what we do, here's, you know, here's the kind of contingencies that we can put in place to protect you. Um, and it is what it is. Um, and, you know, if they're reaching out to you, it makes your life 10 times harder than you having to, you know, burst through the door to start with, right? And then trying to dictate that they pay you money up front. I think that's the, been the one of the biggest things. You've reversed the whole fucking process. You've reversed the whole process, you know, if... if- Typically, you're pitching a client for business. You're the one instigating it. They've got loads of people coming on. Why should it work with you? Whereas if they reach yeah. out to you and they've been watching you, and they've already mentally decided that you know you're if you're not the only you're what you're up there in the in the running, then you've got way more leverage to negotiate on fees and model of ways of working. And and there's also a bit of mutual respect already been built. You know, mm. people kind of go well. I kind of know that you're not you're not going anywhere. One thing I said last week to someone was, "How often do you get ignored on LinkedIn? Like when you send a message, people are like, yeah, a lot, like fucking a lot." I'm like, "Yeah, that that, that will always happen, by the way." But when you're when people know who you are, people are less likely to ignore you because they're kind of like, "Well, you, you're not going anywhere from this market. You're, you're well connected." I probably might need you in the future. Like there's almost this like respect that people will be like, Hey mate, nah, not for me right now, but love your work. Thanks a lot. Kind of mm-hmm. the, the more inclined to at least give you the time of day. Whereas when you're that one recruiter that reached out about that one job once that they don't know who the fuck you are, why would they respond? Like, what's the point? And, you know, I wish more people could see into your life now and experience it for like a day and just, and, and it, it would change so much. But so, how do you then, I know you're so good at this bit, this bit you're flying out. Talk us through the, where you said your strength is BD. So what's been the hardest thing about building 10 people on your own money in your own brand by yourself? Like what's been, what's been the hardest bit of that? Um, honestly, probably, probably the, the kind of stress and impact on on my personal life. If I'm being really candid. Yeah. What do you mean? Tell tell us a bit more if you can. So I think, you know, when when I had the grand ideas that I was going to start a business, and again, I know we spoke about this in the first in the first podcast, but um, I, I said at the time, you know, I'd always knew I was going to do it, and mm-hmm. I don't think anyone realizes actually how tough it can it can be, right? Mm-hmm. So um, 
yes, you know, we've been really successful, as I say to the team all the time, perception is always better than reality, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but perception becomes reality, right? So um, everyone from the outside looking in thinks, oh, this, this must be great. I think personally, it's at its toll because, you know, I, to be honest, like trying to, just trying to do too much, just spread too thin, working long hours, um, you know, trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good employer, trying to, um, you know, make st stupid little things like time to spend, go and see my mum and dad on the weekend, yeah, yeah. you know, and it all just bounds up. And then, you know, you add into that, um, start trying to stay fit and healthy like you know a few, probably about a month ago i was kind of just like it it almost all got a bit too much to be honest i was you know the, me and the missus were having a good chat and i was kind of like you know she was like do you want to do this anymore if i'm being really honest that's kind of where the conversation went yeah and i was kind of like yeah i want i want to do it because i really i really enjoy the the journey and she's kind of like well you don't look like you enjoy it anymore like you're stressed all the time, you know, you're taking it out on me and the kids and and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's just fucking hard, mate. I think that's the reality, right? You know, it's like you're doing your small business, you're doing everything. So like I'm still, you know, out there trying to win work, making sure the team's delivering work, making sure we're happy, making sure we're trying to incentivize people in the business. We're still trying to hire. But then I'm also thinking about marketing. I'm also like chasing fucking invoices. Like, you know, there's just little bits of stuff that when you work for someone else, you don't even... No, it's never crossed your mind before, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Shit, I'm owed 250 grand that's overdue, and I could really do it. Yeah, <laughs> I could really do with it in the bank, to be honest with you. You know, and then you've got people like dealing with accounts payables teams, and you're just like, oh, you know, your days get taken up with bits of shit, to be honest with you. Sometimes, so um, that's probably been the toughest part, mate. Really, has been more of the the impact personally. On me. It sounds good that you you and the wife are talking about it because that's I think one of the biggest challenges I've seen from people. I, I experienced it with my ex. I think was not talking about things and letting them just build and build and build. And when they do, they tend to erupt into really disruptive things. Like that's where like you know businesses do fall down or relationships fall apart or people go off and do daft things and you know because they're just trying to escape reality that. They've let build to a point where it's, you know, it's it's no no further. You can't go further. Um, yeah. So I think well done for having that chat. You know, it's brave to have those conversations because you you I, I don't know I don't know you that well, but I know you're a, you're a proud guy. You're you know you're I'm sure being the father, the husband, the business owner, like you want to hold it all together for them. You know you know showing vulnerability can be weakness in 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 kind of how we grew up, right? 100%. So that's it's brave, yeah. mate. Um, so what, what have you then thought about as a way of moving forward that might make life a bit more balanced, a bit more healthy, um, a bit more happy? Like what have you have you come up with any ideas for that? Well, so I started I started working with a, a coach. So uh, and this was someone that um, I played football with for many years when I was right. over in America, and um, you know he became a, a big time PT, and then he's kind of pivoted a little bit more into like life coaching so obviously Mindset. the physical yeah the, the physical aspect is still still a big part of it um and, and i think that that's helped massively because and it's weird right so normally i think you'd say when you go to someone like this you know they ask you uncomfortable questions but it's almost it's almost okay because you don't know them right yeah Whereas I know this guy, like he was the goalkeeper of the team when I was a centre back, and we, you know, yeah, we were yeah. both mates off the pitch and stuff. Um, 
but he's absolutely wicked, mate. So, you know, we've focused a lot on my fitness, but it's been more around, you know, I've always been a fit guy. I've always trained in the gym, all that type of stuff. But he's tried to get me to focus on like, look, what your time is limited. So what we need to work on, you said, I can't help you with your time management. <laughs> That's on you. He said, but what I can help you with is how you feel. So your, your energy management. So like, you know, when you go into work every day, are you are you the best version of yourself? Um, and try to, you know, create kind of workouts and nutrition plans that do that. But then, you know, we have every other week, there's a session in there about how that's going. But, you know, just asking you some like, hard hitting questions, mate, really, like, you know, what, what's, what's your purpose? Like, why are you trying to do all this? Um, almost like a little, a little kid, mate, really, because I kept giving him an answer. And I thought, oh, that's a pretty good answer. That'll, that'll keep him away from me for a bit. And then yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah but, but why? Why? Like, you know, and it got me all the way back to like things in my childhood that, you know, my mum, mum and dad might or might not have done. And I was like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'll be ended yeah. up here. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's been a, that's been a big thing. Um, but I think to be honest, mate, like anything there's, there's peaks and troughs in business, right? There's times where you, you're flying and there's times where you're not. And then all them things, you know, my experience has been that all them things typically kind of come together at the same time to, to, to test you. Right. So I think there's a decision you've got to kind of make that I've been going on the same journey this year with my business partner and almost we were growing. We always, so all we spoke about was growth for a couple of years before the pandemic and even through the pandemic. But then this year, I think we, last 12 months, we've almost been a bit like, do, why are we growing? Like, what are we, all right, we hit that next number or that next head, mile, head count milestone. What, what will that do for Like, Will we, why are we doing it? And we had to break it down. And what we, what we worked out was, it wasn't actually making us happy. Like that bit wasn't, what was making us happy was having profitable months, really happy clients and really happy people. But they were the three things we wanted. Like, and if we lost, we were like, if we came to profit, happy clients or, you know, client wins and, and happy staff, there are three things that were like, right. If we can, and, and we're part of happy staff, by the way, it's not just the fucking people. If I'm, I'm, I'm a member of the team, if I'm not happy, that's just, so we've gone to our they're the three pillars and like we now make decisions based on those three things so we're not going to say to ourselves we're going to re reinvest all profit back in completely to the point where there's no profit margin like we've done that for years and now we're for a while we're like no we don't we want to build profit we want to build cash reserves like we're going we've decided that's the strategy so actually the whole scale 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 headcount 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 right now is not what we want to do um we want to, we've, we stripped our products back. So we were doing so much shit in the agency last year that we don't do anymore. Like fucking loads of stuff. We're now a branding agency. We do social content on LinkedIn. That's pretty much it. So it's like we, we rebrand companies, we build websites, we, we create the vision and then we take them to market on LinkedIn, whether that's personal or company pages or we train them how to do it. That's the whole company yeah. has gone from all these different inbound marketing, emails, strategies, even podcasts, all of that. We're not really doing much of it anymore. It's just gone bang. And uh, as a result, client wins, client testimony, everything's improving. And then the people agenda has been, the that's the hardest bit for me. It's been like, and including us, it's like, how do you keep people happy? Because when you strip products back and you change things, inevitably you have some people that don't fit, there's new roles were created, people. So we've had a bit of change, and, but I think we're in the right direction. But it all came down to going, why the fuck are we doing it? Like, 
yes, we'd love to exit one day. We Five years' time, we'd love to have something of value that someone might want to buy. But is that all we're, we're focusing on? No. Like, the answer is no. Like, mm -hmm. for me. Whereas I know people have come on the show going, I will live the shittest life for 10 years. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. they don't give a fuck. They'll eat beans. They'll, they won't <laughs> sleep. They won't sleep. Yeah. They won't see their kids. But they will definitely sell for 50 million or something. Like, if that's all you care about, fucking go for it. So what what is it for you then if you if, if if we talk about the genuine like driver of what what does what what is the point like what, what are the things you're trying to achieve with it <clears throat> so I, th I think i think there's a a few a few things to this for me man. and i think i've you know look if if in 10 years someone wants to give me 50 million for ambition then great <laughs> but i think oh you know before yeah. that'd be really really great but um next week anyone yeah next week yeah <laughs> um but i think I've tried, you know, I've reevaluated this a lot. Like if you'd have asked me, if you've asked me before I started, I'd have said build to sell. Yeah. Although, you know, I've been in enough businesses at the right type of level, you know, in equity schemes and all that <laughs> type of jazz to, to know that the amount of recruitment businesses that sell these days in comparison to what it used to be like is, you know, fewer <laughs> and farther between. So I think I'm not, I'm not kind of strung up on headcount. Like I'm not here saying I want to get to 50 people or a hundred people. Like I think for me, it's about, can we get to, can we, can we build a brand that is really well respected um, and, you know, considered the elite, considered one of the best in, in the space that we operate in. And can I do that whilst um, I have a really good, happy life so as i said you know this this these two years have been everything that we've earned has just gone back into the business um you know i've probably earned less in these two years you know god by probably 100 percent less actually right you know in terms of what i was earning when i was employed by someone else and that can, um, can't go on that you can't do that forever no no not 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 at all you know so don't get me wrong like we've got a we've got a decent life we're not you know we're not we're yeah. not scraping by we're not we're not on beans on toast every night by any stretch but um you know you've got to, you've got to start then till you know and, and the missus has said to me before like you know look Kyle you look stressed you look unhappy and at the same time you know we're we're in a position where it's you know we've not we're not as well off as as we have been um Although I think you know, I'd probably be unemployable now, mate. To be honest with you, I don't think I don't think I could. I don't think yeah. I could go back in and work for someone because they'd no, probably I mean, look at me. They'd probably look at me as if I got three heads if I told them the way I was trying to do yeah. things. So, um, so yeah, I think you know, just get to a point, mate, where we've got a really good business. It's profitable. Everyone loves being there. That's really important to me that we create an environment where. You know, it's a kind of high performance culture, but everyone loves being there. You know, we're doing cool stuff as a business internally, you know, servicing our clients really well and, you know, get to a point where financially, you know, I don't have to be there every single day of the week um, and, and not being having to kind of worry about that, if that makes yeah. sense. That's, that's, you know, that's probably that's the very next. Similar to, very similar to, to what we're doing, really. And I think... There isn't a right or wrong way to do this. And I know where this podcast pulls most people in because of that fucking growth, sell, million and billion, like multimillionaire. I get it. And I love those stories myself. Like sometimes I'll be honest with you, I'm recording the show and my ego is like, 
I should be doing better. When I, when I listen to some of the numbers, some of the clients say and the things they're trying to achieve and I'm like, fucking hell, should I stay in recruitment or what? Like, <laughs> but then I have, to, I have to ground myself back to what is important to me. Like, you know, I live in fucking Sheffield. It's not the most expensive place like bloody Rochdale, Manchester. They're not the most, not at like London. Property yeah. not that expensive. You know, I've worked out in my life, then I want to have travel, have to have it. Like was in Ibiza, going to Turkey in a couple of weeks. Even if I'm working while I'm away or I'm with the kids or whatever, I'm on my I have to have that in my life. Even if I was earning a lot less I'd, and I was paying a hundred pound flights and staying in a hostel, it's something I have to have. I don't enjoy anything more than getting my backpacks with a passport. Like that's just the thing that yeah. gets me going. So I've worked that out. I'm trying to create my life, which always has that in. And I, and I know that it just keeps me, keeps me buzzing. Um, I need to be, I like working from home a lot of the time, like 50% of the time. And that needs to be in because you can see the kids and you can see your missus and you can cook and you, you get a yeah. different experience. Um, and, and I need to feel like, yeah, we're building something of wealth like you, like that will, will lead to a different life. It doesn't have to necessarily lead to an exit. It just has to lead to a, a freedom. It's yeah. the same thing. It's the same thing. Hundred percent, mate. Yeah, I think, and, and and I'm on a very similar track. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. We've got we've got quite ambitious plans. Like, you know, if if in five years' time I'm still sat here in the same position, I'd probably be pissed off with myself, right? Yeah. So it's, it's not to kind of say that we, we've you not got. No, I know, I know, I know. We won't. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, we're we're looking at probably next April putting an office out in the US because um, we're doing a fair amount of work over there now, and you know, that's not going to be sustainable long. Would you go and kick it off or would you have to find someone probably not mate um so you know as as, as you know right we've lived in dubai before lived in the us before we kind of back now the kids are in school so there's you know a few complexities yeah. around that so we probably um you know we've got people in the business that are keen to go and do that so there's kind of some metrics around targets to get them to a place where they're they're ready to to, to go and launch that and and then yeah you know it'd be nice i could spend you know a week a month in like miami or something man. that'd be awesome wouldn't it so um yeah really cool yeah. Like we we opened up in south africa and we got our own business out there um so we got we got people in cape town Joburg, and durban but me and Amma, like we went there in april it's fucking wicked and we opened up the bank account and all this stuff and it was great and now like we're gonna go i think november time i think before christmas we're going again yep. um just great like just again something i love and become part of my business bringing it together you know yeah. and it's you know it's been great for us so i do it like just go and do it just go and do it what um so when it comes to the team what's the kind of ideal person you're looking for because i think you you have got a slightly different way of looking at the game than a lot of people so what's the mold of person that you think will work well in ambition um it's a good question, mate. I think you know we're, we're kind of we're hiring across different different things uh, as well, right? So I think that that really depends on we're, we're having to be quite strategic around the type of people we look for for the type of roles because we're you know we're also now just getting into um, the kind of pure consultancy piece as well, which has been really interesting. So we're we're actually delivering statement of work yeah. projects, um, and that's would you look at be... taking people on permanent then in that space or? <sighs> I'm a bit torn with that, mate. I've, I've yeah. had kind of conflicting advice in, in that space. So I think we'll just have to see 
the associate model we, would be like. yeah i think we'll just start you know we've started that basically that's kind of you know it's still early days but we've had a couple of you know good wins in mm. in that space but you know i imagine that at some point we'll probably spin that out to be its own brand and, and and all that type of stuff so you know there's a lot going on so i think it depends like you know some of the key things for us is that really we we like people that are you know have come from similar backgrounds in terms of you know it's kind of low volume high fee um really niche market because the thing for us is in you know on the permanent side of the business is it's 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 candidate attraction that's it right you yeah. know so so we do a lot of work around testing things like you know the ability to articulate a message for example because as you've probably heard me bang on about a million times on linkedin in in, in my marketplaces you know the identification of talent is no longer the difficulty right it's how do you cut through the noise to get your message seen and responded to above the other 20 recruiters yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and obviously i think for us we've got some pretty unique tools internally as a business around the initiatives we do so that we're not always having to go to those people about jobs per se right um so it's just a slightly different model you know so we've had conversations with people who you know 10 years or five years ago another business had out of you know snapped snapped your hand off for them yeah but you know they're kind of like i just want to you know all i want to do is smash the phones and i'm like look i absolutely i've got all the respects in the world for that but the problem is we're a two-year-old business and we don't have a massive database so we therefore we don't have a load of numbers and you know the game's changed a little bit. So, you know, whilst your work ethic is fantastic, you're just going to get frustrated here. You know can what I mean? You adapt, if you're, yeah. Can you yeah, you know, if, so I think that I think that's the thing. Yeah. Adaptability is massive, I think. And you know, having even just little things, mate, like, you know, I think creativity is is huge. You know, I think one of the things that has allowed me to be successful is just getting to the point of being able to try something different with the right message, you know, and understanding what's going to make that person tick in terms of who you're trying to get the message across to um and i think you know we we've been brought up in recruitment right to you know it's just a copy and paste methodology of everything that's ever come before it um and i think you know so we do a lot of work around well can you tinker with that message what what do you need to say at this moment in time to get them just to pick up the phone to you that's that's step number one and then you know yeah, once, yeah, we've, yeah. once we've got there we can worry about step number two um so I think it's just a very different model, mate. And I think most people that have come from a very traditional recruitment background would probably struggle. But on the flip side, the benefits are, you know, obvious for everyone to see. The fees are huge. There's a load of career progression with us because we're still a small business. You know, everyone's got a say in decisions that get made and stuff like that. Um, there's big jobs up for grabs in the future. You know, it's all retained. So you're pretty much guaranteed commission. So, you know, there's a load of benefits, but equally you've got to be the you know i think the the fit is massively important because you know we don't want to bring people in that just aren't gonna enjoy working in that way you know or just struggle to adapt to that way of working would you look at bringing in i know you're going for experienced people so would you look at bringing in management director level or is it are you thinking people at consultant level and all of them will organically grow yeah so i think you know so i brought someone into the business at director level um yeah. and and she looks after the kind of the delivery function and the day-to-day -day management of most of the the people um you know in an ideal world we'd love to hire people you know at consultant level and allow them to grow into the roles but i think that's going to be dictated by um speed of progression and how quickly we need to run you know so like yeah. the us thing is is becoming 
more and more important for us to be there. And obviously, you know, if we get to a point where, you know, the people in the business that want to go and do that aren't necessarily ready to go and do that, then we've got a decision to make right around, you know, well, you, you can't, you can't bring in a consultant to go and launch a business for you, right, in a different country. So, you know, you're going to have to go after someone at a kind of director level. So mm. it's, um, I think that's also a thing, you know, like, mate, we work with Rec to Rex. They, they must fucking hate working with us. Because, like, you know, we're kind of saying, well, we, you know, we're, we're trying to do this and we're trying to do this and we've got this potential role and this potential role. And they must just be thinking, fucking, like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, it's because it's yeah. so it's so fluid. So I think there's there's so much opportunity. But I guess that also then makes it difficult sometimes to actually pinpoint this is important. So we've tried to categorize if you if you will you know in terms of certain types of roles here's what we're looking for broadly speaking yeah it's uh it's definitely a different way of working it's like jez have you jez heard in manchester you probably know jez who's uh he's ripping up yeah. some trees online at the minute and he you know he's, <laughs> like, he's hiring people purely from his linkedin his whole strategy now is if i can be the guy in recruitment that recruiters find funny and want to work for like so he's not even bothered about market engagement he's bothered about recruiter yeah. engagement clever yeah. i like what you i was thinking you and him should pair up he'll do all the talent attraction you do all the marketing <laughs> you'd be, be game changing um and just or just you know he can create the talent across both brands i don't know i'm making yeah. it up talking shit. but um kyle pleasure mate and and thanks for being so honest it's it's one of them things obviously when you build a brand online like you have, it does have some incredible um, benefits. And But it doesn't necessarily, it's not like a silver bullet to your life, right? You still have challenges, you still have problems. And perception is reality, as you said, and it can be bigger than reality. But it's nice to hear that, you know, you're open about some of the challenges and you're trying to work through it and you're just fucking normal about it. You know, you're not, I hate it when people, sometimes I've chats to people before the show about coming on the show and it's just an investment fucking deck pitch of how amazing they are. And I'm like, nah, that's not, this isn't the show for you. <laughs> like I'm all, all for hearing how good things are going, but people also, you know, we relate to the things that we're struggling with because we're all, we're all going for it. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I always ask, you know, the question, if someone wants to talk to you, I appreciate, I'm sure you'll give them some time if they miss it, message you on LinkedIn. Yeah, of course, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you're joining us as well for our August Academy conversation. So we're doing a 9 a.m. 10th of August webinar globally about how the recession is coming, but how our building a brand will help you in a recession. So it's uh appreciate you coming on to that. It's going to be cool. So I want to I talk about why, why we need to be on the front foot of this. I don't think it's going to be catastrophic Armageddon recession, but I think it will definitely get tougher. And I think the people that think about it now and start making some, some contributions to their sector from an, from a, from a content perspective will, will definitely benefit. So yeah. thanks for giving us your time and we'll see you on that, but let's get you back for part three at some point. Let's see how things evolve. Hopefully the, you know, you'll still be in that room. I want to see, I only, I only <laughs> want to see, only ever want to see that, that room. Um, and uh, that, that, that'll be the barometer, mate. If I'm still sat in this room, you know, I've not done as well as I've uh, pledged. I, I was going to Oh, do. you've done really well. And you've managed yeah. to stay at, you managed to let everything happen while you can just chill out. At home. So <laughs> yeah. it, it's got two, two sides to the coin, but we'll get you on in the future uh, for part three. Appreciate it. Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode was brought to you by Hoxo Media. 
I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses how to be better on LinkedIn that's how to brand themselves that's how to produce content that's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business we're coaching people all over the world every single day if any of that sounds of interest please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me Sean Anderson a personal message on LinkedIn and would love to talk to you tune in again next week that's live on LinkedIn I'll see you soon